Craft Beer Radio, episode 402, on November 13th, 2016. And welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where it's November and it's cold. Hey, what do we have, Jeff? Beers. Beers. My name is Greg. Jeff. And we have a bunch of beers to uh, drink, to taste, review, and evaluate. Yes. Have fun with. And uh, most of them, actually, all of these were donated. Most of them from listeners. One of them from a brewery. Let's start with this uh, sick and twisted. This mm-hmm. uh, lemongrass mint blonde ale. Okay, so this is from Dave. Mm-hmm. Yes. We tried a sick and twisted before. It was like their panty the dropper. The panty dropper, right. So it was spoiled. Let's let's start with one. So they have a series that are based on the uh, the members of the of Mount Rushmore. Yes, and this is their their Teddy Roosevelt beer. It's a mint blondale, mint lemongrass blondale, lemongrass mint blondale because Teddy Roosevelt liked mint juleps. Oh, okay. So that's what I was able to get from. The, there's nothing they have on their website about it. It's, uh, I mean, the website is kind of a piecemeal. This is one of the, we talked about it before, how the can has this thing at the top, right? And then they have a label. Yeah, it's a pressure sensor, you know, sticker label. But the top is, the like, the top shoulder is screened and says, uh, get sick and twisted. Yeah, and refined hydration. So, lemongrass, blonde ale, 5%, 7% alcohol by volume. All right, first sniff, it's, it's lemongrass and mint. That's what you smell right off the top. Big, strong boast of the lemongrass. Yeah. I mean, it smells kind of cocktailish. which, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. going for a mint julep, then I would expect you to have a little bit of a cocktailish right. uh, aroma there. Yeah, that's the majority of the aroma. Yeah. Not really getting much more out of it. Light haze to it. It's a Orangey. golden color. Yeah, I'm getting, uh, there's some, some specks of stuff, some specks of some yeast and stuff that were, are at the bottom of my glass. Mint's pretty big in the flavor. Kind of the mint bowls down the lemongrass at the front. The lemongrass stands back up towards the end. It's it's an interesting flavor. It works fairly well together. Yeah, I think that instead of just making trying to make a Blondale, they tried to, mm-hmm. to, to use the Blondale as a platform to uh, throw some interesting flavors here. And I think what they did is they put mint and lemongrass in here. And it doesn't it doesn't become like a a wonderful example of some interesting melange of flavors it's just kind of directly delivering to you mint and right. lemongrass but it's doing a decent job of that for some reason it's reminding me a lot of that mobcraft beer the old-fashioned style well, because it kind of has a cocktail that was i was yeah. thinking about that too because mobcraft made the old-fashioned a uh, couple different versions of that mm-hmm. but yeah they, they they made it to be more like a cocktail than a beer and this doesn't feel particularly beerish there's a lot of mint uh that sort of tingly mint coming at you Mm -hmm. um if you're looking for the beer underneath here there is just kind of a little bit of a sort of graham cracker right note at the bottom a little bit not even like really going crazy with the honey or anything just some slight slight maltiness at the bottom Mm -hmm. not a lot of hops here the mint is certainly taking care of anything the hops would do and lemongrass is sort of adding a bit of tanginess have you had 
enough mint juleps to know how what they like. I I've had I think I had one that year we had that brunch at America Eats Tavern. Ah, yes. And like not since so I like don't even remember what a mint julep tastes. I remember it was bourbon and minty, and that's about it. Yeah, well, that that sounds about right. I think. Uh, I'm yeah, not a big, uh, not as big into the classic cocktails as I probably probably should be at this point for getting to know mm-hmm. all the other cool flavors that are out there. Probably should like to a uh, a run on some of the classic, interesting cocktails at some good places just to see. This beer's surprising me. I mean, I, I mean, not surprising me like oh, it's actually good. It's surprising me more so in. As I'm drinking it, I'm getting used to it, and it's it's really drinkable. The flavors played together really mm-hmm. nice. Um, not, it's not very deep. Like we aren't going to pontificate for you know tens of minutes about all the nuance in this right. beer. It's mint and lemongrass and that base blonde ale, but it all comes into a pretty nice drink. I mean, moreover, I, I would stress that somewhat like the Modcraft beers, this is not a classical beer. No, no. This is not, you're not going to have people who are going to be like, yeah, I mean, I, I really love the way this accentuates the Blondale type style. No, this is very much using a beer as a delivery system for other flavors. So it's nothing like a typical beer that we would have, say, 10 years ago or something. Right. Absolutely. But it also, it's it's well integrated, I think. I mean, it doesn't feel forced. Doesn't, doesn't feel, feel alcopoppy, right? Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't feel like... Uh, overly sweet. Um, it doesn't feel like the mint. Yeah, like the mint is fake, or that it's mm-hmm. um, or that it's, it's giving. Uh, it doesn't feel like toothpaste. Yeah, no, you're right. The, there's a kind of a leafiness, like you know, the kind of mint that I have growing back mm-hmm. around my hops. Right, it's not super minty. Yeah. It's kind of grassy and vegetal as well. You know, and and. I'm, as I'm drinking this, I'm getting a little bit more of that toned down, maybe like a muddled mint type flavor. Sure, yeah. Where it's a little bruised, the leaves are bruised and things mm-hmm. like that. There's a little bit of, you know, sweet syrup going in, so you because mm-hmm. there's maltiness here, obviously. But, yeah, it, it's it's pretty, I mean, for what it's trying to be, it, it's doing it's being very successful at it. I think so. That was the Sick and Twisted Lemongrass Mint Blondale. Big stick. Big stick. Speak softly, carry a big stick. All right, where do we go now? Let's do the new Glarus. This one was sent in by listener Dan, who has another package in the mail for us right now. So thank you, Dan. Thanks, Dan. So you can only get these in Wisconsin, so if you happen to be moving through Wisconsin at some point, look for some of these new Glarus. I mean, we certainly would recommend Mm -hmm. Spotted Cow. I think we haven't had a new Glarus beer that we didn't like yet. Can't think of one, but we haven't we haven't exhaustively. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Right, so is this one's a Hefe, right? This is Bubbler. Yes, they're Hefe. All right, so then we'll make sure we get all the good young junk at the bottom of the bottle here. Okay, so I'm looking for some information on here. Again, not a huge, not a major website. These uh, these new Glaris guys aren't uh, not <laughs> investing a lot in that. Well. The beers market themselves, so... Okay, here you go. There's your bubbler with all the yeasty goodness at the bottom. Never had this beer before, so I'm looking forward to trying a new one from New Glarus. 
no information on this alcohol by volume, or really any, really much about it at all. They use uh, Wisconsin wheat alongside European Pilsner malt, American hops, imported hops, uh, open top fermenters in their yeast. Yep, label's kind of lacking. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to even tell what style it is from the label. It says half hour. It does in in the long description. Yeah. No one seems to know. New uh, rate beer, beer advocate, don't have any information on the alkali volume. It's a half hour. I expect it's going to be around five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you have a half of Weizen, right, it can go generally two, three different ways. You got the clovey half of Weizens, you got the banana half of Weizens, and you get the bubblegummy half of Weizens. Mm-hmm. To me, this one's in bubblegum territory. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't go... I mean, I, I think the banana and bubblegum flavors are related. Sure. Uh, but this feels more, at least in the aroma, it's coming more towards the bubblegum side. Mm-hmm. Which really means, I think, the banana thing, but with less vanilla. Probably. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, uh, what's the generic bubble? You know, just generic bubblegum flavor. Bubble yum. Yeah, yeah. hubba bubba or whatever. Yeah. Or I think bubble yum, but I think hubba yeah. bubba is... Those little mean? yellow paper-wrapped bubblegum pieces you chew for about 30 seconds right. until they lost all their flavor. And they horrible yeah. cartoons on them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ones you get in the... Well, at least we used to get them for for Halloween. They used to be, like, <laughs> super cheap. Okay, so the the color is what you would expect. I mean, it, it's it's straw like, it's hazy. Mm-hmm. It poured pretty clear until I sort up the extra yeast that was at the bottom. So you could go vaguely crystal with this. You could if you wanted to. Never met a heffa that's better clear than I have. Hazy. I'd say I mean, we have, but it's it's a matter of degree usually at that point. Big full body, it carries through. It's not as bu- well. The bubble gum actually hits in the aftertaste. Mm. Up front, it's wheaty. You get that kind of you know full body, a little bit tang. Maybe some more bananas up front, but really as you're swallowing it, it tastes just like that bubble yum, bubble yum or whatever. You know that generic bubble gum taste. It hits you for a, a brief moment, and then it kind of goes off, and then leaves you with kind of a a malty kind of aftertaste. A little bit like pie crust or something like that. It's really interesting because in the middle, it kind of reminds me a bit of Spotted Cow. There's some of that yeasty contribution that, that feels a little Spotted Cow-like. And then it kind of goes all bubble mm-hmm. gum and, and, and gets a little bit of that almost lemongrass stuff from the from the wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, similar tanginess that, that you know, we we'd sometimes call lemon. So, right. like a lemony tanginess, it ends doesn't end dry. It does end with a, with a sweetness, with that uh, bubblegum flavor kind of lingering, uh, and not much uh, phenolic stuff there. Not really a whole lot of yeah. There's not much pepperiness. Let's see, it's good. It's a pretty well done heifer. Yes, yeah, it it's bigger in the bubblegum than almost anyone that I can think of. Mm-hmm. So it does give you kind of a different take on it, but it pulls it back through. There's a big 
wheat bite through the middle, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely fits in the style for sure. Hmm. Do you have any news that we've been forgetting to talk There's about? There's been a bunch of little news things. Um, looking back, even at uh, like 301, there was um, Todd Hag, Hogue, oh, that's Haug, right. H A U G, goes moves from uh, Surly Brewing to Three Floyds. Yeah, Todd has been the practical face of of Surly since they've opened. I mean, Omar is one of the, the owners, and he's fairly recognizable too. But Todd is he's he's you know he plays in a metal band. Tattoos everywhere, mm-hmm. huge long beard. When they showed me the picture of him, I said, "What a what a hipster!" And then you showed me an, an actual picture, like it was just a drawing of him with his yeah. beard and looked like very kempt with glasses and a, and a big flowing beard. I was like, "That's kind of hipster look." And then you showed me a big picture, I was like, "Okay, not a hipster at all." <laughs> no, uh, yeah, the the, the yeah. one article had this line drawing, like almost like Wall Street Wall Street Journal style mm-hmm. of of Todd, and yeah, it, it almost looks more like um, professor at. Uh, Professor, yeah, yeah, <laughs> where he is metal, but uh, so it was surprising to learn from the story that he didn't have any ownership stake at the brewery, and uh, his wife was working at the pub or you know doing restaurant stuff, and they let her go, and uh, so he was a little bit disgruntled at that, and he's friends with the guys from Three Floyd, so they offered him a job, so it'll be in, you know. I've read, I've seen a couple of stories on it and a question and answer and you know because Todd is such a personality and he's made kind of you know rock star beers at Surly you know Darkness and um, I'm trying to think of the other big ones I can think of all their like Cynic and Bender and you know the normal ones so I'm trying to think of the other like I'm drawing a blank right now but you know these really sought after beers they're asking me like are you going to bring any of those three Floyds and both you know Nick Floyd and and Todd's answers were, you know, I have so many other beers up mm-hmm. in my head that I don't need to bring any of yeah, those. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, or, you know, reasonable facsimiles of certainly beers to Three Floyds. Let them so, play. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's some good news for us in Pennsylvania. Or at least good news for, for, some, uh, for, for some of the businesses in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Which is that uh, distributors, the, the, the law that we talked about a couple weeks ago passed, and, and so six packs will be available to distributors. Did the governor sign it yet? I didn't see that I he had. Don't know. Okay. He said he would. He said he would, but I didn't see that he have. And I think it's six weeks from when he signs it. Uh, I got an email from the Brewers of Pennsylvania, which is like the, mm-hmm. the Brewers Trade Association. And I was surprised. I mean, because they were kind of came out against this and the reason was interesting this governor provi- wolf signs historic no that's different sorry there's a provision in the law to kind of keep walmarts from gaining too much power targets in walmarts that if you um are selling so uh retail beer distributors you know the ones we go to to get beers also sell to bars right and they can only sell beers to bars in the wholesaler region that they're in. So, uh, you know, here in Pittsburgh, it's pretty straightforward, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not near the regional border. But you can imagine in the middle of the state where you're on one side of the town and you're in the Pittsburgh area. And then one of your accounts across town is in the Philadelphia wholesaler area. They couldn't sell to that bar anymore. Right. So that's kind of the reason that... Uh, Brewers of Pennsylvania was 
coming out against. I still don't know why exactly the Brewers are coming out against it because it, of that. It feel it, what I felt like from reading this stuff was that yeah, any expansion of this sort is going to hurt somebody. It's going to hurt somebody. somebody's business model. Right. We talked about that when we had the beer museum guys yeah. on. Uh, and so I didn't. I wasn't feeling like that upset about what they were complaining about it. It, it felt like, well, find a new model then. I mean, there's. But this is this is a beer distributor who all of a sudden can sell singles instead of twelve packs. So, okay, you lost one of your accounts. It's a shame that you're on this border between two wholesalers. And you know, some people may lose, but overall. I think mm-hmm. beer distributors win. Tavern owners are the ones that are probably, you know, mostly yeah. against these changes because they want to protect their advantage that they have. It, it, I mean, there's definitely a push we pull you aspect, and I'm not saying that the, 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 the law is perfect, but I, I think it helps more people than it hurts. And it definitely, it, not only that, I mean, it opens up things like mailing beer from, from uh, I'm not sure whether it's just in-state or whether it's out, out of state too. There's all types of other things that have li- been liberalized with this law mm-hmm. that right. needed to happen uh hours are changing on for for beer distributors as well since we're drinking in new glarus did you see the story where new glarus has announced they're gonna have spotted cow grand cru Mm-mm. so yeah they announced that you're gonna have spotted cow grand cru and i'm trying to scan here really quickly on what exactly uh i guess it's an imperial version Oh, no, an entirely new imperial recipe um, with Wisconsin and Czech malts, Willamette, Yakima Valley, French and German variety hops. I'm guessing it's, while it's not just a stronger version of Spotted Cow, it's kind of a reformulation and stronger mm-hmm. version of a Spotted Cow. Yeah, Spotted Cow Grand Cru, which when I just, it, the headline caught my attention, right? Because Spotted Cow is a delicious beer. But, you know, it's their flagship, and you don't necessarily expect a Grand Cru version of something like that. Well, why not? I mean, a Grand Cru is just... It can be a whatever, right? I mean, you can make a Grand Cru it out of whatever. It can be whatever. It's the best version of of it. You know, it just... Maybe it's it's interesting because it's unlikely. Maybe that's it. But, I mean, it's it's it is unlikely. You don't... You don't see Grand Cruz of your blonde ale. You don't see Grand Cruz of, you know, those kinds of things. Spotted Cow doesn't strike me as a typical beer, though, so. No. I mean, it's certainly not a typical uh, cream ale, which is what everyone sort of assumes it is, even though they say it's not. Right. I mean, it definitely tastes different than any other cream ale we've had. Right. All right, speaking of nuclears, that was the bubbler, not Grand Cru. Where do you want to head to next? Should we go for just go straight into the bastard? Sure, why not, man? All right, so uh, Stone slash Arrogant Brewing Company. Since they're going with Arrogant Brewing, since they sent this to us, I will mm-hmm. call it Arrogant Brewing. This is their 2016 Double Bastard, bigger, longer, uncut. It's a little. Uh, South Park uh, reference there. So it's 100% age in Islay Scotch whiskey barrels. Islay. Islay? Islay. Islay. Yes. Uh, it is 12% alcohol by volume. They 
Wow, okay. So there's lots of stuff in there. The IBU, they say, is classified. The hops classified. <laughs> uh, Arrogant Brewing. Was it always? I mean, I know they branded off. Yeah. But it wasn't, wasn't Arrogant Bastard Brewing? Arrogant Brewing, I think, is a new change. I think. Maybe. It doesn't sound like that's what I remember, but... I understand why you might not want to put Arrogant Bastard in your company yeah. title and might just want to, you know, yeah. go, go, go with one pejorative instead of two. <laughs> uh, so here we have... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, the, the color is uh, kind of like a dark iced tea, almost, or a cola. Very clear. The... Um... Very yeah, it smells smells like eyelid to me, man. It smells smoky, peaty. Um, Lagavulin yeah. smells like Lagavulin, kind of. It does. On top of that, it has very resiny hop quality to it. I don't know how you're getting through to the hops. That was the first thing I smelled was the hops, okay. and then and then I started to smell the smokiness. Okay. Man. Yeah, the more I smell, the more that the the you know there's two impressions that are hitting me, and that is how potent the peat smoke aroma is, mm-hmm. but also how much it smells like what I think of as a excellent Islay Scotch smell. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it just is nailing the right aromas for me, and yeah, it's it's an eleven on the on the Islay smoke meter. Yeah, so I have this at around uh, fifty nine on the surface. So I'm going to warm it up just a bit. I think I want to get it to around sixty degrees in the drink, and so it's probably about fifty five or so. The so, flavor for me leads with peat for me. It's just big, malty, peaty. The bitterness, the hoppiness, really. It, maybe after I get accustomed with the first sip or two, I'll start tasting it. But really. Didn't seem that hoppy. Didn't come across all that bitter. It just seemed pretty malty. I mean, it's the maltiest arrogant bastard that I've ever had. <laughs> and uh, it's a double bastard. Double bastard. Okay, but then it also just has this enormous peat character. I mean, I feel like smoke rising off out of my uh, esophagus right now. Hmm. I'm not a. I'm not a like a de facto. I shouldn't say de facto. I'm not an expert when it comes to LA scotches. I've, you know, had several. Lagavulin's my favorite. It's probably this, the peatiest. I generally say smoky, but I know scotch people don't like that. Uh, so I'll try to say peaty. Um, I got some Laphroaig. I've had Ardbeg before. I'm pretty sure that's that might be Highland scotch. Highlands are kind of sm- kind of peaty too, but not as much as Islay. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, but that's that's about the extent of my knowledge. So if we had someone like Hart on, he could like tell us whether there's scotches that are more peaty than Lagavulin and what they may be, and if this character would be reminiscent of anything. So I got it up to 65 on the surface, which means about 60 or 61, which is where I wanted it. Um, yeah, very... <laughs> lots of scotch note, a lot of... A lot of peat, a lot of that smoked and um, peat bug essence coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, it 
it almost feels like a non-fiery scotch. I mean, like almost the whole way through. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't burn on the way down. That, well, it doesn't burn on the way down. It it's in it's integrated with the other flavors. It's not like you're just tasting whiskey barrels mm-hmm. and the beer. It, it comes together really well. The aftertaste is like an Isle Scotch. It's um it's like a little baby scotch. It so the the hops are kind of cut significantly by the peat notes. The the bitterness is also really significantly cut down by what feels to me just like sort of a smoky overpowering. So mm-hmm. it doesn't linger like a typical iron get bastard right. where it sort of lingers as this bitter Yeah, it cuts um, it it almost it almost seems like I'm presuming this is regular double bastard and then conditioned, but it almost feels like this one has brewed with less hops. <laughs> Does I mean? It, I mean, we can't find it. What's it's, funny is we keep talking about how things are cut, and this is called bigger, longer, uncut. It's yeah. it's like, well, yeah, you're right, but it, I can't find any resemblance of. May, maybe this thing has been in the barrel for like. A super long time and maybe that's where the bitterness went to maybe it, yeah. it faded out but it, it it seems like it's a less hoppy less bitter double bastard I, I, but maybe I, it's just the the smoke but it seems really multi it's it's really good i seem to remember and people can go back and correct me on this if this is incorrect but i can remember i like double bastard better than regular arrogant bastard i think that there was something about the more maltiness and stuff, mm-hmm. the more sweetness gave me. Uh, I, I seemed to like it better than what was going on with the standard arrogant bastard. But this th- th- kind of takes away all of the issues that I generally have with the arrogant bastard mm-hmm. line. But you're also not a huge Scotch fan, right? I, I'm not against Scotch. I'm just not like okay. it's 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 not. It doesn't entice me that much. So I mean, how does this like massive amount of peat? How how are you? I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I just, I'm not like, I don't have a period of time where I'm like, man, I wish I could get a PD scotch. I don't, just don't have that um, desire, but I'm not against it at the okay. same time. It's not like, um, say,. Some bourbons I find kind of, I just like over, like I'm over that flavor. Okay. I just don't really want it. To me, the PD scotches are fine. I actually kind of enjoy them, but I okay. just, I feel like, yeah, they can be a little too burny and they can, you know, being scotches and they can also just not something that I'm chasing after. I'm not chasing okay. after the most okay. PD thing in the world. Yeah, maybe I was confusing your opinion of bourbons and, yeah. and scotches actually now that I think about it. This is interesting. I wasn't expecting, I mean, I saw it was. Scotch barrel, and I've had other Scotch barrel beers, mm-hmm. none none nearly this good. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you like a a Scotch like this, and this will I mean, light up your alley. Compare this to like the J.W. Lee's aged in like woolen barrels. This is much better. Yeah, and I thought I liked the J.W. Lee's, but <laughs> this is real good. This is the Double Bastard Bigger, yeah. Longer, Uncut. I mean, this is, I don't really have a problem with this beer. And <laughs> you mentioned all the right. the various different minefields that, that would 
Yeah. That would make me likely to have a problem with this beer. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, and and I'm I'm in, enjoying it a lot. I think I, I could easily I could easily finish off the bottle. This and is so, the most complimentary you've ever been about an arrogant bastard. I, I think, think it's true, by far. Um, it wor- when it works, it works. I like I like it a lot. Yes, yeah. that's. I, I'm just. I said it before. I finished my glass. I just want to cap off my my statement with. It just tastes like an unfiery scotch. I mean, it has really the maltiness, the peatiness. It just really comes across like that. So if you like drinking neat scotches, but you don't like the the fieriness and also the intoxication of drinking those neat, this is a pretty good... It's at 12%, so it's not like you're going to not get intoxicated. No. Uh it's just you're not going to. I mean, if you had this whole thing, that's right. like having a couple like, shots of scotch. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, if you drank the 22 ounces of it, yeah. it'd be like having a neat glass of scotch. Yeah. All right. That was pretty smoky. Hopefully, that didn't mm. taint our palate for mm. the rest of the show. Maybe we should go with the goza to kind of to to. To really acidify that. Actually, I was thinking. Or, you know, or this, the, this one's a. I'm going to go. I'm going to call an audible here. Right. Let's do the imperial stout because it should be big enough for us to taste, and it'll give us some distance from the smoke by the time we go back to the goza. Okay. Does that sound good to you? It does sound good to me. We'll go with the Carbach Brewing Three Legged Lab Imperial Stout. Now, Carbach is very interesting. Because within the past week, it was announced they are being purchased by Anheuser-Busch. But Greg, you said they couldn't buy any more breweries. I did say that, didn't you I? You said they needed DOJ approval. And they do. Okay. They are just confident they will get it. Ah. Um, so, yes, I, I looked into it because I thought it was sort of a blanket prohibition. Uh, it turns out it wasn't a blanket prohibition, but they will need to get approval. They are just convinced they will be able to get that approval. So it's still... Contingent upon DOJ right. approval. Gotcha. Yep. We've had Carbach on the show before. I believe that uh, uh, Rubio from the Beerist has sent us some Carbachs in the past. You were just down, uh, what's the name of that place? South Padre, South Padre, Island. Padre Island. And you picked up a couple of their Hopperillos. Yes, which I believe you had before. But you know, it wasn't. Uh, there was not a great selection of beer there. Uh, to be honest, at, at South Padre. In fact, I, when I I had a That's couple because you weren't there for spring break. <laughs> they had a brewery on the island, but other than that, there was uh, you know decent a decent selection of craft beer, but not great. And there was no bottle shops. In fact, I looked for a bottle shop on the way back because I had I had about five hours before my flight. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Okay. Like nothing that was in within fifty miles. <laughs> Where I could get, Jeez. yeah. So that that kind of sucks. I was only able to bring two beers back, and one of them was that spoiled one. Yeah, yeah. bummer. Yeah, so um, I've been on the show a few times, but yeah, now they're another AB brand, or will be soon, perhaps. Nine point two percent alcohol by volume, seventy IBU. Malts that are utilized are two row pale, dark crystal, chocolate, Munich, and black patent malt. So there might be some smokiness there with the black patent. Mm-hmm. Uh, hops, Hercules, Bramling Cross, and Hillertown Middlefront. Interesting to have Hillertown in there. And the other ones, which I'm not too familiar with. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard of Bramling Cross. I don't know 
Well, and I've heard of Hercules, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's Hercules with a K, but I've heard of them. <laughs> That's a way to get around the trademarks. Spell yeah. with a K. Uh, but I don't know much about them. The availability, they say, is January and February, but I assume that... Oh, uh, this was last January. Oh, this is last... Oh, okay. Yeah. So this is this is older, but that's okay for an Imperial Stout. That yeah. should be fine. Yep. Uh, assuming it was uh, held in, in decent conditions, it should it should generate... Yeah, but, fun. you know, it's a 9% Imperial Stout in a can. should sell her great, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, on the bottom of the can, it has this crafted on, and then a bunch of unintelligible... Uh, yeah. Jet numbers. The best I can tell, it was January fourteenth of twenty sixteen. I think. Let's see, yeah, yeah. yeah you kind of lose the <laughs> the inkjet was not crafted because it doesn't. It it it's probably not eighteen because <laughs> that would be in the future. So <laughs> <laughs> it smells pretty good. Um, it's not a huge aroma. I mean, especially compared to that last one. Yeah. But when you get in there. You're kind of getting some toasty, you're getting some cocoa, you're getting... It's not too boozy on the nose, but it kind of, you know, that black patent malt, it makes me think of those English-style imperial stouts, the ones that are kind of okay. raisin... I haven't tasted it yet, but I'm expecting one that's going to be a little more raisiny. Yeah, I was thinking, a little I'm more... smelling a bit of a sweetness, which reminds me of a port or something, yeah. so I'm expecting it to be... A little bit on the porter side. Yeah, I, I wouldn't expect it to be this big, sweet, chocolatey beer. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little more astringent, a little more raisiny. And, uh, so this is a tribute to Molly, our owner's black lab, who lost her leg early on in life. But there's a certain spirit that keeps summer quitting. Maybe it's one of those three-legged dogs, which are always so inspiring. It says on the shoulder, tripod approved. So they must feed it to Molly. I hope they don't feed much. Here's the thing about dogs. And cats. Here's the thing about dogs. Here's the thing about dogs with beer. They will love beer. And in general, it's not terrible for them, but alcohol is not great for them, especially when, think about how big you are and how big they are. They can't handle alcohol like we can, and they are smaller as well. So if you're going to give your dogs beer, make sure it's like fed with a dropper and not a spill that they drink up and and also i think there are some now hotboxing your dog different story <laughs> don't want to get into that i think there are some uh not because i just i wouldn't do that <laughs> uh but i think there are some um beers made for dogs right where it's just sort of a malted beverage malted yes drink. yeah yeah i, I there's one it's called doggy beer but it's like meat flavored soda right yeah <laughs> kind of thing Speaking of meated beers, yeah, oh, oh, we'll talk about that in a moment after we okay. get into this beer. The color, by the way, is just black. I mean, it's more yeah, it's black. been a poured, it poured pitch black, like yeah, oil coming out of a can kind of thing. Yeah, um, I like this. It has that has a moderate to full body. Mm-hmm. It is kind of towards that raisiny dark fruit thing. So while you're getting all these roasted type flavors, it's not too much. It's not really chocolatey. There's some cocoa in there, but it's not chocolatey. Right. There's, there's prune and 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 some sort of yeah. Th- th- there's there's flavors that are reminiscent a little bit of old ale. Yeah, yeah. Like I haven't had a Samuel Smith Imperial Stout in a long time, but you know this is in that same ballpark. It's along those lines, and it, it's. I think this one's pretty well done. I'm enjoying the flavors that I'm getting on it. And I'm going to take some time with this one. Let it warm up. Really let it open up. 
So let's talk about this meated beer thing. So long-time listeners who pay attention will remember that I think it was about the time that fruit beers were huge and then sours were getting huge. And I said the next trend in craft beer is going to be meated beers. Half of my tongue was in my cheek, but half of it wasn't. Because I would have thought bacon beer would be a big thing by now. I'm surprised it's not. There's been Voodoo Donut and things like that with bacon. But I'm surprised, like, bacon beer isn't the next hard root beer. You know, that kind of thing. Or something close to it, right? Voodoo Donut sucks. So that didn't help. Yeah. Uh, A lot of bacon things suck. But that doesn't mean that people don't want it. Well, yeah, but... You tell people bacon this, bacon that, and they're good with it. And then you tell them bacon beer, and they're less likely to jump you're, on You're right. You're right. But, I mean, there's been oyster stouts. Sure. So there's meat and beer is not mm-hmm. necessarily um, a new thing. But Dogfish has the new... Well, I made it last year, but it's out again this year. Beer for big, breakfast. Bigger release. Yeah, beer for breakfast. And because they're in Delaware, close to Philly... Which is close to Amish country, Scrapple. Apparently, one of the best like places for Scrapple in in the country, or at least that people people are generally very think it's great Scrapple. Okay. Now, Scrapple is pork. It's the stuff you don't put into your hot dogs. <laughs> well, I mean, then then good, put it into your beer, right? Because right. the whole reason why you don't put this stuff into your hot dogs in general is simply because it's it's uh, it's harder to chew. Mm-hmm. As opposed to it, I mean, because it's. I've never really had Scrapple. Uh, it was out in yeah. Philly a little bit ago. I remember we were at the public market right downtown. This was at the end of the Craft mm-hmm. Brewers Conference. And we were looking at a really nice meat counter, and Heather and I were just kind of browsing. I don't remember if we bought anything, but a dude walked up and ordered a pound of Scrapple, and they're baked in loaves, right? So they kind of just slice off mm-hmm. a square of Scrapple out of the loaf and wrapped it up for the guy. And. Yeah, I, I don't know. Even, in hindsight, I should have got some scrapple to try. I don't even know what you would, what you do with it. I'm, I'm sure. I think you kind of do it like a corned beef hash. I oh, think okay. You cook it up kind of like that. Okay, I can see that. I mean, the thing is, like, Jeff and I are probably not the pre- people who, to get discuss it this because we like all this. We like pho with like tripe and stuff like that. We like all this other all this stuff mm-hmm. that comes off of beef that norm that isn't normal. We we like all these crazy foods. Durian I was talking with like Max that. earlier today. Uh, I, I showed him sardines. I had some sardines. Uh-huh. I opened one, and he's looking at it like Heather offered him five bucks to try one, and he said something to me. And I'm like, Max, I'll eat anything for five. You give me five bucks, I'll eat anything. I'll uh-huh. try anything. And he didn't understand. There, he's like, How about twenty? I'm like, No, no, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's the point. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll try anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of examples of that that that, that things people would uh, one of my favorites actually it was great I thought it was fantastic cod sperm okay delicious but I mean people are like oh why would you eat cod well, I mean it makes you gay I, it it had, it was really sweet and had an interesting you know texture and flavor to it it was good right I mean I'm I'm well into trying these things so I'm, so meated beers is one thing we talked about this before but in the uh, complete joy of home brewing Charlie Papazian's book he has a recipe from like 17th century England where you put like a raw uncooked chicken in the fermenter hmm okay. I think it was a fermenter I don't think it was the boil cut I'm pretty sure it was the fermenter but I'm not sure I'd want raw chicken beer why 
You're afraid of salmonella? I, I guess it would kill the salmonella. I don't if, know. If you, if you boil it, that's, that's it. But no, I don't think it's boiled. I think it's after the boil. I think. I'd have to double check. Interesting. But maybe the pH and the alcohol will kill the salmonella? Probably would kill any salmonella that might be in there. I mean, we don't really have a major problem with salmonella in this yeah. country. I don't know, just... Uh, the idea of raw chicken in your beer is kind well, of... Well, the idea... That's a tough one. The idea of sticking a chicken... Well, I mean, here's the thing with salmonella. In order to get salmonella, you can't just have, like, one or two, like, bits of salmonella. You need to have a nice colony of salmonella okay, in order for you to get... But, sure. but that's a great... If you did it... If the alcohol didn't kill salmonella, then that's simply a, a, a wonderful factory for making salmonella. So <laughs> it's like... Uh, I'm not... I'm not totally convinced on that. Yeah. I would probably try it if someone made it. I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't mm. want to waste the ingredients. Uh, similar story. I saw Jesse Friedman, guy from Almanac Beer. He had some friends or some guys, some beer guys out, and he went to a restaurant, and they had chicken tartare. Oh, yeah. I've had that before. You've had chicken tartare? I've had okay. it in, in – well, I've had uh, chicken um, chicken sashimi in Japan. Close okay. enough. All right. As long as it's super fresh, it's not a problem. Okay. What's what? What was your chicken? Sh- I mean, sorry for the rat hole here, people. But real quick, what's the, what's raw chicken sashimi kind of like? It, it it's a weird kind of texture. It's not great. I wasn't really enthused with it. It's it's different. Um, not a lot of flavor either mm-hmm. that I can remember. It was very cold as well. Okay, that and the horse was also very cold. There's lots of I, mean, I tried it. Sure, yeah. Okay, um, but no, it was uh, it was there, and as long as it's fresh and as long as it's in ge- you know in general not like uh, you know it hasn't <laughs> not like eating a whole bunch of it. Right. it shouldn't be a okay, makes sense. So we just said we would try everything. I guess we need to try the chicken the raw chicken beer now. Yeah, I'd, I'd try, try it. it. Sure, absolutely. As long as they you know got confirmation there wasn't salmonella in it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'll try fugu as long as I get confirmation there isn't fugu poison in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take a bite. Yeah. All right. So this Carbach three-legged lab. This is good. It's like I said. It's that English mm-hmm. style. It's more raisiny, dark plums, dark fruit. It's but it's quite drinkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for like the creamy stout or something like those lines or a typical sort of American hoppy imperial stout, probably not what you're looking for. But yeah, I like the I like the kind of old ale aspects mm-hmm. of this where you get that fruitiness and you get some of that astringency. Yeah, it's almost a year old, so it may have you know mellowed yeah. some too. It's just borderline. Like detectable if it's boozy or not. Like I can't, I don't feel the hotness, but like I'm feeling like the precursors to sure. be it being boozy. So it's right up to that edge where you know when I'm drinking a great imperial stout, I do like something with a bit of a warming character. This one's almost there. You can tell that it's just about there. Yeah, I mean nine point three. It's 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 not necessarily hiding it's, its alcohol, but it's not it's not like saying I right. look at how alcoholic I am. Yeah, I mean for me it's not a it's not so much the number. It's when I'm drinking Imperial Stout, I want it to feel a little warming. Sure. You know, I want it, I want it to be apparent, not hidden. Uh, I, I understand, but I still think having the number is important to give you some some objective thing to, to throw up there on the right. wall and to see where it, you know, see mm-hmm. where, it, where it stands in that sort of target. Sure. That's kind of why I like to give it stats. You know, it's not just to fill air. Um, especially these days, because right. we don't have to give stats. But I feel like giving out the information, uh, having the information, and just giving out the information gives you some sort of something to something no, objective. I, I, to, I agree. To it gives you, yeah. I mean, that's why there are stats for the people mm-hmm. that are 
who know what they are can kind of get a baseline for it for sure all right so where do we go to next let's do the dry hop goza this one's from next two are from well actually let's um ah okay let's do that (laughs) yes hey you got some spare cash it's you know it's christmas shopping it is christmas shopping season and you know you're going to do a lo- almost all of your shopping on Amazon because it's easy and shipping is free with Prime membership. You have to deal with the crowds, you have to deal with dealing with other people in the big box stores. And they deliver on Sundays now. You can get all kinds of stuff. Well, when you do your shopping with Amazon, don't go to Amazon.com. You know that. You've heard this music a hundred times now. Yeah. Hopefully, it's now just ingrained in your head that whenever you go to the computer, this music starts playing, and you're like, God, I wish that would get in my head. Well, there is a way to get out of your head. You go to Am- you go to craftyradio.com slash Amazon. And Guaranteed once- to wipe that earworm well, right once, out. Once you start doing this regularly, it will become so cheerful to you. And you will actually want to hear it. It's almost like that I Voted sticker you got on Tuesday, right? You're going to feel great about yourself by supporting the show. All right. And there's no bad side. (laughs) There's no downside, yeah. You get what you want and you support the show. Yeah. All right, so... Listener Matthew sent us these next two beers. This is the Kent Falls Brewing Company Alternate World. A dry hopped goza. 4.6% ABV. Drink fresh. So they, okay, oh, interesting. So they, they dry hop it. They also ferment it with their house uh, Britannomyces strain. What? Yeah. Um, they say balanced by a hint of salt and a big American hops. It's dry hopped with uh, mosaic, I would say, because... You got a big passion fruit, maybe maybe galaxy, but big passion fruit aroma. Now I smell it, it's kind of getting a little more grapefruity or Yeah, like a ruby red grapefruit aroma. So by the way, that, that blog post that I'm linking on our thing is that was from twenty fifteen, where they said uh, it will be um Draft only, but might find its way into some shiny new packaging soon. So here we are in 2016. They're a brewery in Connecticut. This will be the first time we've had any Ken Falls. I've never heard of them. Yeah. So it smelled passion fruit first sniff, but now it's hardcore grapefruit. I mean, it smells like grapefruit juice to me. No, I'm still smelling the passiony fruit. Uh, here, take a whiff of this glass right. and see if you get any different because mine's like grapefruit. No, mine, no, no, no. smells no. the same. Okay. Smells smells more passion fruit right. than grapefruit to me. So because the because okay. grapefruit doesn't have that that kind of uh, hmm, what is that? The passion it doesn't have passion. <laughs> it doesn't have that peach like twist at the end. Whoa. 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 Whoa, Blossom. Whoa. <laughs> Joey Lawrence. Whoa. Wow. That's that's a beer. It's tangy, tart, 
big citrus flavors. The Brett's in there. It's kind of giving it a little bit of a dusty, dusty attic, dusty barnyard type it's feel. It's cutting the sour. Right? It, it's it's not letting the sour go crazy. It's it's keeping the sour in sort of a fruit juice range without making it go into uh, into really taking over the rest of the flavors of the beer. The the Brett is sort of holding back the sour from mm-hmm. the other stuff. And it then, tastes like there's tastes like fruit juice added to this yeah, thing, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the the acidity is coming from the probably the kettle fermentation for the Goza. But the hops are transmuting, mutating that into a more citric type acid as opposed to a lactic acid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it is a faux fruit juice beer. This is great. I'm really enjoying this. <laughs> it's pretty good. Uh, it has. It really does taste like a like a passion fruit like juice spritzer. You're right. Now that now that I'm drinking it, and now that I'm a few sips in. First couple sips, the acidity won out, and I was thinking grapefruit. But you're right; I can kind of get. I'm definitely getting the passion fruit now. Mm-hmm. Where I think a peachy twist is a good way to describe that. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not sort of a straightforward citric acid thing. There's there's a, there's another kind of loop, another kind of twist on top of that. And that's it's kind of it, it's not like it's not quite like fresh peach. It's a little like. Fresh piece just been like cut up and, and maybe blended a bit, but the skins too. The skins the too. Skins yeah. come through. Yeah. Well, that's that's a beer. This is the Kent Falls Brewing Company Alternate World Dry Hopped Goza. So that's that, that's probably coming from the hops, right? I mean, that's that's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I think the acid part's definitely from the kettle sour, sure. but. The thing that twists that into this citric, tropical, fruit juice type flavor. Yeah, that's got to be the the hops. Probably Galaxy, Eureka, Mosaic, something like that. Another dimension, new galaxy, intergalactic planetary. So this was a, a half liter bottle. You just poured the whole thing. You were just like... <laughs> I, I did. Are you regretting it now? No, not at all. It's just... It was interesting to me because... No, I mean, like, the arrogant bastard, you poured... What? Uh, two two ounces or so for each of us. So right. there's plenty of that left. Which, yes. I mean, good for you. you get, you're the one who loves that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, don't dislike it at all. I think it was great. But um, I recognize that that is, like... That's big Jeff territory. Yeah, that was not... That. When it went to impede on Jeff's love of that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, we got a little more of the Kent Falls to work through. But we also have some more news stories we can hit here. Uh, Firestone Walker opened a pilot experimental brewery in Venice Beach, California. Fatheads is opening another brew pub in Charlotte, North Carolina. So they got the one in Portland. They got the brewery in Cleveland. They got the tavern the you know the the bar here in Pittsburgh and opening in Charlotte. What what is this infographic you, you post here of um America's beer capitals, right? You posted this thing. Oh, that's breweries per capita thing? Yeah. Why did I post that? I was curious where Pittsburgh stacks up in this. We don't stack up 
all that great. No, but it's interesting to me, like, so if you're talking about, so the thing was the number of breweries per 100,000 inhabitants, so yes. it's, it's a weird metric, I think. Well, uh, Portland, Maine only has um, 19,000 19, inhabitants or something like that. I think that's the number that I saw when I looked it up. Well, they have 17, they have 17 microbreweries, and their microbreweries reach 100,000 inhabitants. Is maybe, maybe, so maybe it's like, like 70,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so to me, all, all, all it confirmed to me was that Seattle is the most awesome place to be. Because <laughs> Seattle is, is, is near the bottom of this, but it's, so it, Seattle's a big city. Mm-hmm. Their thing is 8.1. This is the top 10, right? They're 8.1. Yeah. They have 54 microbreweries. Yes, in their thing. So I mean, that's that's they have one of the highest density of microbreweries. There's Denver and Portland, the other two Portland, Oregon, uh, but uh, but Seattle, Washington, you know, has a a lot of people in it, and there's yeah. a lot of breweries there, and that, that's great. Yeah. So for example, it depends on what number you're trying to get to. If you're trying to get into the twenties, like Asheville and Boulder and Portland, Maine. Uh-huh. Allegheny County would need 10 times more brewery than it has right now. <laughs> so we have 26 breweries. We would need 260 to get up to that. That's just because we have too many people, right? You know, the numbers like Portland, Maine, Asheville, Asheville's, Boulder. you know, Asheville has what, 19 breweries. Their, their per capita is 21.6. So they're a little under a hundred thousand, I guess. But, uh, yeah, just the Pittsburgh area while we have a ton of new breweries, we just, not even on the same par. Yeah. Now, if you look at bigger cities like Denver, Seattle, and Grand Rapids, which are at 8.7, 8.1, 8.1 and 7.2, um, that's more reasonably attainable, but we're not even there. We're like at two breweries per... It is interesting that Missoula fell into this list, right? Missoula, Montana, which does not have a very high population. <laughs> has six breweries. Has nonetheless an eight point six because they have only six breweries, but they have enough population. They just you know, that, but that the sample size is too small for yeah. that to be you know, sure six breweries, but it could be five or four, mm-hmm. and if it was four, so that sample size is just too small to really be noteworthy. Other than it's a, it's a great thing of, about statistics here because the the graph doesn't really mean anything when you actually get down to it. It's interesting right. way what you, that you can yeah. What story do you want to tell right. with this data? <laughs> then you can infographic it. And anything else? Uh, well, a, a fan uploaded to our Facebook page. Oh, that's right. This, yeah. this Milwaukee uh, beer that has a lot of Hebrew characters on it. I'm not sure what it's there for. Uh, Is it like a Passover kosher thing? I mean... It's been a while. I'm not really good. I'm not really up on my Hebrew. I was curious if you could interpret any of that. There's n- there's no real vowel signs in there, and the last time I, I haven't read Hebrew in a long, long time. So mm-hmm. n- not really. Okay. Uh, I know it goes. It doesn't go uh, left to right. It goes right to left. Um. But yeah, I don't know. That, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the can is from like the 70s or 60s, yeah. so it's an old Brewermania can. But yeah. It looks like it was brewed in New Jersey, too. Yeah. So, so it wasn't. I mean, but it says yeah. the, the English words on the can are Milwaukee beer. and beer. Yeah. And Hamington, New Jersey at the bottom. 
um, 5%, so it's 5% alcohol. I've got no idea what that's for. <laughs> uh, yeah, my guess would be it's probably some kosher for Passover thing, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's post-show. I'll say that for the post-show. I was going to ask you about Jewish customs and culture in the main show. Mm-hmm. Not really what we normally do. I mean, it's not really stuff that I'm well-versed in anyway. You can probably answer these are basic questions. Possibly. Uh, what else do we have? Anything else in the general tab or stuff? I shouldn't have poured that whole glass of beer, should I? <laughs> should have I? We're really tanking this podcast now. We did a little bit of a, of a discussion between ourselves about, because I keep getting these, well, we keep getting these emails. It comes to our to our main thing about from, from Beer Connoisseur. And, oh, yeah, uh, we can talk about this. And they keep sending us these reviews, and I just keep noticing the reviews are all 90, 91, 92. And we talked a little bit about this before, how their, their rating system stops at, like, is it 70? 70 is the lowest yeah, you can get so. on their rating system? Yeah, yes. Um, mop water would yeah. get a 70. Right. So it makes the whole, it makes everything below 70, what's the, you're starting at 70, so there's no, there's no point <laughs> to, to really having 1 through 69. All you're really doing is 70 is 0, and whatever is, you know, 100 is, is the top. What interested me is they still have Watermelon Dorado as, you know, like a 90, something very high. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it shocked me when I saw that. Uh, and I was like, is it possible that we were you, – you thought there's no way. And I thought, well, I mean, it, hey, it's possible that we could have been running with this. I looked around. It doesn't seem like a lot of people like this beer. <laughs> so <laughs> I wouldn't expect it to last very long. I don't think that we'll see Watermelon Dorado around yeah. for another season or two, for more than another season or two. But yeah, Greg was like looking at all these counter reviews and whatnot – and I'm like, dude, it just sucks. Just and beer connoisseurs—they do what they do. Yeah. All right, final beer of the night from Single Cut Brewing Company. This is their full stack double IIPA. Billy, I guess it's called Billy. Their full stack IIPA. They're called the Billy full stack. Ipa. 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 The the Ipa. Okay, <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna read the the marketing speak here. All right, because this is one of those ones where it's like, well, all right, I'm just gonna read it and let you decide, listener, and hopefully you won't hear the disdain in my voice as I read it. <laughs> Although I just told you what it was. <laughs> um, when your taste buds beg for a pounding, this IIPA sneaks up with soft malt smoothness, and then bam. Tropical bright tangerine slash citrus uppercut. Biff! Dank pine shot to the mid palate. Wham! Tropical dank pine mild herbal aromas. Wham! Mild. A kablam! 8.2% alcohol by volume without a hint of booze. Thank you, sir. May I have another? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But hey, maybe I'm just not getting the kids lingo, right? Uh, 8.2% alcohol by volume, 137 IBU, they say. So call it 90 and just be done with it. Greg can't even. I can't even. Queens, New York City, huh? 
That's where these guys are from. To me, it's like Wham, Tropical Dank Pine Mild Herbal. <laughs> it's like giving you Wham for something mild. But all right. Uh, we have... What would you call it? Golden color? Yeah, golden. Golden to bronze, for sure. Clear. Clear. Smells good. Yeah, the aroma. It's it's not all hops. Nice malt uh, counterpart in there. Kind of um, biscuity, maybe a little bit like pie crust. Mm-hmm. And then the hops on the aroma. Get some tropical in there. A little bit of mango passion fruit. You get something that's a little more... Uh, it's not really dank dank, but you're getting that kind of pine... Like, you know, that wham, bam, wow! You get that pine dankness mm-hmm. in there as well. Okay, so it's got kind of a sulfury bite to it. So it's not my most pleasing type of thing, but it does have enough sort of tropical stuff to to to, to bring it around to, to mm-hmm. decent. I it feels especially compared to I mean, we just had this goza, this fruit juice goza, so it does feel like I need to uh, adjust my palate to it a bit sure. because it feels very undercarbonated in comparison, a little bit, um, a little bit. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Viscous, very pretty viscous. Uh, compared to the Gozo, of course, it's it's double the alcohol, so that mm-hmm. you know, makes sense. Well, it hides the alcohol, like they said in the marketing speak. Um, I'm with you with undercarbonate. It's the first thing I noticed, it seems really low on the carbonation. Maybe we'll get used to it. Uh, I agree with a lot of things you said. You know, there's that more sulfury kind of Simcoe type hop flavor mm-hmm. with some tropicals interlaced in there as well. Um, I like the malt. I like the malt backbone on this thing. It's bit uh i don't want to describe it um bit shortbread bit sugar cookie but then something goes into a little more um like uh brown sugar or something like a touch of molasses in there as well yeah there's, there's a decent malt backbone here to me the to me the more i'm, I'm taking another sip of it and i'm like i i I, I get what they're going for, but it's just it's not right now appealing to my tongue, particularly after mm-hmm. this session. But right now, just the the it feels very very sulfury, very sort of in the Amarillo zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my favorite type of thing to to, to hit my tongue, but. It's, but at the same time, drinkable. It's not like yeah, it's, no. It's definitely yeah. drinkable. I think that, I think that the flight, yeah, is um, it's definitely a, as you can tell from our voices, it, it it's coming across as a letdown after many of these beers we just had. If we would have started with this one, it would have been um, a good place. Yeah, to start I, the flight. I, I think I totally agree with you. I think that it's like it it, it feels it doesn't feel bright. The weird thing is, it almost feels like a session IPA. Almost. <laughs> right? They talk about how it's not yeah. boozy and the alcohol is hidden. Like, it almost, maybe because of the low carbonation or something, but it almost feels, instead of eight and a quarter percent, that it is 
5.1%, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it has that going for it. It, it. it is not bad. It really isn't. It's just this flight mm-hmm. has not done any favors. No. And that's what I can feel with it, because I'm not appreciating it the way I appreciate the other beers, while at the same time recognizing there's nothing wrong with it. It tastes decent. tastes good enough that I, you know, if I had this to start with, I would be like, yeah, this is really good. But the other ones did more for I me. I think having this out at the bar, I'd be yeah. fine with it. I wouldn't, you know, but when we're in this extreme evaluation mode, yeah. we're left a little disappointed and, with this one. And again, the, the you know, the, the as the flight didn't, the, the flight did not help right. this beer at all. Now we picked some good beers yeah. tonight, for sure. Let's get on to the ranking. All right. Shall we? Shall we? All right. Uh, I'll start. I'll put the single cut in last place uh, from... Or the single cut Billy full stack Ipa. It's, uh, you know, it's a decent IPA. Just the lack of carbonation, apparent lack of carbonation, Mm -hmm. didn't help. And then, you know, kind of that more generation two... Simcoe Amarillo yeah. type IPA. It just couldn't stand up to the competition of the other beers tonight. In fourth place, I'm going Wait, there's, to. There's, there's. Oh, oh, the second twisted too. That's right. Oh, okay. So I need to consider him. I'm gonna put the new glares in fourth place. I, I, I think it was good. Hefeweizen. I think the other beers all had something that placed in front of it. Uh, it was interesting how bubblegummy the bubbler was from New Glarus. You don't come across Hefeweizens very often that are that bubblegum forward. I mean, that was the main ester component that I was getting. Lots of Hefeweizens that are banana forward come with bubblegum too, but this one kind of flip-flopped that. In So that was fifth place. Fourth place... Let's do the big stick from Sick and Twisted. I liked that beer a lot more than I expected. I didn't think the lemongrass mint would be very well integrated, but that beer was quite the drinker. It's weird to even call it a beer, though. Yeah. You know what? Mm. I'll stick with that, but think of I was I was contemplating swapping that in the new glares there depends on what angles you really want to look at i think that the second twister was an interesting kind of cocktail-esque type beer uh, i thought that they did a really good job of doing something i didn't think that could happen easily and that was putting the lemongrass and the mint into the beer making it all work out now we get to the top three and we get into some pretty stout territory here I'm going to put the stout in third place. You like how I did that? Yeah. Um, I like this one a lot. This English-style imperial stout. You get that plums and raisins, or prunes and raisins, I should say, and um, not apparently boozy, but almost there. I like that quite a bit. Second place, I'm going to do the Double Bastard Bigger, Longer, Uncut. I thought that beer was delicious i it tasted like a little baby scotch and everything was so well integrated i was we talked i talked probably non-stop about how it didn't seem as hoppy or bitter as double bastard 
uh, but that really worked with the application of the barrels. And then I'll put this Kent Falls Brewing in first place. This thing was cuckoo crazy the way that they took a Goza, they added some dry hopping to it, and it made it taste like passion fruit and grapefruit mm-hmm. juice. And then the Brett was in there kind of just doing little manipulations on the whole thing and, and kind of drying it out, making it a little more dusty. It wasn't funky, wasn't horse blanket, but there was just little manipulations in there. You could tell from the Brett. That was a delicious beer. All right. So my rankings are very, very similar. Uh, in last place, I'm going to put this uh, single cut, which again, did not, was not a bad beer. But it just it, it was hurt by flight, and at the same time, as you said, you went over pretty much exactly the reasons why I would do it. You know, it's so phase two e it has a little bit more sulfury stuff than, than we than we generally like these days. The the um, carbonation didn't feel as prominent, especially in the flight. It just it just didn't mm-hmm. it, it didn't work out for single cut uh, in this particular flight. Uh, it, you know, it, it, but I would recommend I wouldn't recommend like avoiding it by any right. means. I would say you know. It, uh, it's it, it's good. I mean, there's not there was nothing wrong with really any of these beers, um, except for maybe my number five choice, which is the second twisted. Which the only thing I can think of that's wrong with it is it does it wasn't really beer like. There was a beer base, right. but it was a cocktail, uh, and it worked it worked very well for exactly what it was doing. Uh, if if you want to take a very sort of traditional standard look at this, and this would not be appealing, but to to us, I think it was great. I think it was yeah. Really I mean, I could, I could go with that placement as well it depends on whether what you're looking for or something yeah. beery i i elevated it slightly because i thought they did a good job at doing that where they could have easily screwed that up mm-hmm. yeah i think that's exactly right i mean yeah. if, if well you said it. yeah uh and, and i'm just gonna you know i'm swapping that my new glaris mm-hmm. is in that is in that place it, it, it was really good it was you know pretty much what you want from a hefe i think the other beers sort of stood out to me more and were, were more speaking to me uh and then the you know one two and three i pretty much agree straight on i mean it, the car back i thought was um was was really well done it had kind of that old ale thing maybe maybe the age helped it to turn into what it is but hey uh that just says get one and age it as opposed to saying, uh, you know, you know don't cans are probably a great place to age yeah. imperial stouts. Uh, in in second place, I'm agreeing with you. The arrogant, I I would not have expected that, but there it is, uh, and I really did enjoy it. But that Kent Falls really did something special and unique. Um, we've had a lot of gozas <laughs> in, in the past year, uh, and that was the first goza that I felt really. Um, Really came into its own and did something uh, especially different that that really distinguished itself from the other goes that were going on. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. And while Greg was ranking, I should have been queuing up the outro song. So you can just imagine that that this uh, <laughs> space didn't exist here. This this dead air. And here we go. I'm excited. Yeah. Crafty Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. <laughs> you can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to email us, it's beer at craftbeerradio.com. If you hit us up on Twitter, it's at Jeff Fair. At CPR Greg. And Greg's giggling because of the choice. The implication. Of the implication. Choice. Yes. Oh, it, it's good hearted. It is good. I'm not out protesting or anything, so. Not yet. All right, so we're going on to the post show. We uh, we're saving up the political talk for that. So, if 
if you if our politics drive you crazy, you don't want to listen to this post show. No. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>